The following program was produced by Community Producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the Community Producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Good evening, and welcome to Malden 02148. I'm your guest host this evening, Ed Lucy. And I have my favorite guest on this evening, Greg Lucy, whom I don't have to introduce, I hope. But uh, I, I also have to, before we get into too deeply some of the other subjects we want to talk about, I have a couple of uh, public announcements that I, I want to make. One I've mentioned before, and it's regarding this, the city's uh, system, a schedule of, of street cleaning. And uh, it's important for the people to rem be reminded at times because even um, this week when I left my house, I looked at my neighbor's car and they had a ticket on them because it happened to be a Wednesday and the sweepers came by and the, uh, so did the parking people. So if, uh, if you're not aware of your schedule, it, the city has a summary and, a, and a, of all the days and when the, um, the schedule occurs, and those tickets are fifty dollars. Uh, not only is it important for you, but if if you're in a multi-unit property and sometimes the landlord is not the owner of the property, then it behooves you, I think, in fairness to your tenants, to remind them. And if they're new to the city in particular, they should be be made aware that the street the streets are on a regular basis and aggressively swept and it's also a part of the problem with the neglect is that you end up with a ticket if you haven't moved your car or was parked on the street when the sweepers come by. So in any event, that's just a friendly reminder. Can I, can I butt in on there on the, just, just so people know the, uh, what they have done, they have posted the signs. I so, saw them, they have my street. So yeah. the, one of the biggest gripes people said about the street sweeping is you didn't really know which day, when it started, and that sort of thing. And I, I have the same problem. I have a driveway, but a lot of times you shuffle cars in and out. But there are signs that have been going up, and you know it, it, some of the streets have many signs on them. So it isn't like they're just posting one sign at the beginning and that's it for the whole street. So they are, they are the signs are going up. If they haven't gone up, uh, not finished yet, I think they'll be finished soon. Yeah, well, they, they, they've been to my street, and I thought they were a little bit overly uh, aggressive on it. They put two signs on the posts, mm. so they show both directions. Yeah. Yeah. Another public announcement I'd like just to touch on, on the um, 6th and 7th of June, uh, the, the annual uh, drop-off of, of various types of electronic equipment and other kind of appliances here at MATV, and it serves two purposes, one of which, of course, is the, it allows people to find a site to get rid of things that they don't longer need, some of which aren't even working and therefore should get put a uh, put in dumpsters or whatever. The other thing is it's also a means for the um, MATV to be raise some money because uh, when they um, take those things that you no longer need or want, uh, they're, they're asking, although it's not mandatory, for donation for the, for the services they're providing. And there's a lot of things that are um, in this group of el uh, eligible items, and I'll give you some of them just to get on. Uh, of course, uh, AC units, and you have uh, batteries, uh, even bicycles, uh, cell phones, chargers, computer speakers, copy machines, electronic equipment, fax machines, filing cabinets, f fire alarm equipment, keyboards, laptops, lawnmowers, uh, light fixtures, medical equipment, metal desk, and uh, radios, refrigerators, scanners, scrap metal, servers. Some of those have a charge because they have to uh, pay a charge to get rid of them after you leave them. 
but I would suggest it's uh, it's available on two days, Saturday and Friday, June sixth and seventh, and it's six it's ten to six on Friday and it's ten to two on Saturday, and the thing to do if you don't have a computer or don't have access to one. Seven eight one three two one sixty four hundred is the phone number here, and if you able to do it on a computer, just call. Uh, just write accessmatv.org. Again, it's a way to be a a good neighbor. Get rid of a lot of these things that you know, that are just taking up space where you live or in your yard or in your garage. And at the same time, uh, the service provided for the uh, MATV is also a source of funding for them. So that's that. And um, on that note, I one other thing I'd like to just touch on very briefly. I try to do this one other show, but there was a mix-up. And uh, in the course of uh, an average week, I, I try to get out and do a little walk around the neighborhood. And uh, some time back, I found this charm bracelet. And it has a lot of charms. I'm sure they have a personal nature to the person that owns this. And I think possibly if I could furnish you with some information now, somebody might click in and realize who it is. Among the among the charms on this bracelet, there's one for the Empire State, which of course is New York. There's also one. There's a Texas one, but it, equally important and maybe easy to re recall. There's a Happy Birthday, and it says 15, so that would be obviously. And the back one says Mother and Daddy, which is a little different way. Sometimes that might be a bit of a clue to someone. There's also a charm that says ha uh, Happy Birthday from from Terry and Judy. And, oh, excuse me, Tina and Judy, and then there's a there's a, a Scorpio one with the initials M Y F on the back, and then it's 1966. So that's obviously someone's birth year. There's also um, a Sweet Sixteenth, and the date is 11/4/1964, and I assume that makes the person's age 57. And uh, the final one, there's one from. Um, in, on the back, it says Patty, P-A-T-T-I, and it has a string of letters, L period, A period, L period, H period, C period, A period. So if any of that strikes a chord with any, anybody out there, I'd be very happy to have you contact me. It's 781-572-6400, same last four numbers as the MATV, and I'd be happy to return it to the person because I think it has a lot of meaning to them over the years, and there's a lot of charms, and they would be delighted to get it back, I'm sure. So those are my announcements. And um, one of the topics um, we started to brief, uh, touch on very briefly, the uh, uh, Encore. Encore, yes. Yeah, uh, Strange doings this week. Yes. Um, I don't know if you've seen it on t TV or it's been in maybe even the newspaper. Apparently, this thing about the sale to MGM is not quite as likely as it indicated last week. Well, I think the timing of it is is odd, and I, I think uh, everybody feels that way. You, you know, you've you can't you've come so far with that. I, I think the license was granted to them in 2013, so they probably started doing the building three years ago. They've gone through all sorts of hurdles, suits, buying up property. You're building a beautiful building over there, and you get to. Uh, a month before the opening, and all of a sudden, you know, the, it gets reported in the paper that there, you know, there's a possibility that uh, MGM may be looking to purchase it, which is just odd. It's like, you know, going down 99 yards in a, in a, in a football field, you get to the one-yard line, you punt. You yeah. know, it's just really odd. So, you know, to me, the, the, the press release, I, it, it's, it would have been a very complicated sale. Uh, MGM would have had to got rid of the uh, their, their casino in Springfield because you can only have one casino you would have had a you know you had all those towels and napkins all say encore on it that's what you've been promoting and building you had the community agreements which supposedly wasn't going to get affected but if, if the sale if they ever continued talks I just couldn't imagine the co complexity of that sale if if in fact yeah. the gaming commission would go along with it which apparently Di Maria the mayor of Everett which he has a say uh, being the whole city he said he would not go along with it and I think the mayor of Springfield was saying the same thing if they had to sell the MGM in Springfield. And Walsh, I think, made a few comments about it, too, from Boston. Yeah, so didn't Governor Baker. So, so there was all sorts, of, all sorts of heat on that. And the press releases are only what they, wanted, they want to tell you. So, you know, the idea that they owe it to their stockholders to, you know, uh, you know explore these types of things, 
well, geez, it's still strange to me that you'd come this far, spent all that money, do the, all the things they needed to do, which is very complicated, and in the end you look to sell the structure, which to, to me just didn't make sense. I can't imagine it would be possible that the, um, um, the people that would maybe even in the preliminary discussions were not aware that you could only have one casino in Massachusetts? Well, they've been pretty, I mean, it was hard to get those licenses, really? so they're, they're, there's only three, and, yeah. you know, I, I believe that a third casino would probably be too much for the state, but, yeah. so they allow, you know, they, they give out two of the licenses, so there's only three that can be uh, pur purchased anyway, so why should one person have more than one, but if you look at MGM, now, I just got back from Vegas, we were out there two weeks ago, you take that Las Vegas Strip, they, they own at least ten casinos out there, so we stayed at the Aria. The Aria is no longer owned by the Aria. It's owned by MGM. And you can just go down the, the strip, you know, New York, New York, uh, Luxor, uh, uh, Bellagio's. Those, those, aren't, those are all owned by MGM now. So they're, they're, um, they're, their footprint out in Vegas, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. So Aren't they also Macau? Oh, they, yeah, but so doesn't uh, so doesn't Wynn have one in Macau. Yeah, right, Macau's yeah. a Macau's a big, and that was the other thing they were saying. The Asian market, you know, it's a worldwide ma market casino. So uh, their thinking is the sometimes that although Vegas is Vegas, but you know Macau's a very prosperous uh, place for the casinos to be. And I guess uh, you know e even Wynn is looking to Japan now. So that whole Asian market, maybe you know they, you know, again, I, I, it, I, I don't, I don't have any inside information, so I'm only guessing. But there's a reason why they they put that out there and why they were in talks. Yeah. But that win that you just mentioned, that's that's the uh, corporate name, but that's no longer the man that's got Correct. the controversy. Yeah. yeah, I mentioned before it's kind of ironic. Uh, he owned a huge block of stock, and of course, in his own corporations. And uh, when he was forced out last year, they, he was also f not only lost the house that he lived on on their on their property, he lost, of course, the the job, in theory, running the the type of casino empire that there was, and also he had to sell his stock. But when he sold his stock, it was about two hundred dollars a share. It went down to about a hundred. It's gone back up to one hundred forty. And I looked at the paper yesterday; it was one hundred twenty. So he, he locked out in one way. I saw one hundred twelve today. I think. Oh, oh. <laughs> I, if I was reading it right, and and you know that that's the other thing too is the the casinos as they're opening up when there's more of them, yeah. their projections seem to be high. So the MGM in Springfield, I don't think they're meeting the expectations of what they thought they were going to bring in. It's, it's, yeah, I think you're right, but. Um, um, but that is uh, um, the Indians. Are they? There's, there's an Indian tr uh, down in the, uh, the Cape trying to get a casino. Are they? Are they? Would they be the third one, or are they, are they a well, separate they, they group? I, I almost think that's why they haven't given the third license out. Yeah. Because I, I think that's that's trying to run its way through the courts. I right. Think. So I. And that's go through the legislative process as well. Yeah. So they may end up with the third license. And they may not. They, they, supposedly, they're, they, they're not supposed to be um, li likely to get it. That's the last I saw in the paper. Yeah, but there's more and more, you know, I don't think New Hampshire has any, but, you know, Maine has them, New York has them, Rhode Island has them. We have, uh, you know, the Twin Rivers that's close by. So there's there's more opportunity, but I, I do think in the the, um, the Encore and Everett, I, I, that's different. I think Wynn has a different product. I, I think that will make a go out of it. I think right. it's a first-class resort. Um, you know, it's it's, I mean, Foxwoods is enjoyable, but there's just something about Wynn. He does things right. Yeah. I, I also wonder, though, whether they have a third one here or whatever uh, happens in other states. You, you almost say to yourself, we get to, we get to a saturation point because obviously there's only so many people that gamble, and there's only uh, some people who would be attracted to even go. Obviously, if they, if they go to Win and Everett or Encore, they're not probably going to be driving out of Foxwater or uh, Mohegan Sun, so that's going to affect them. And... Um, the same with Springfield. The people that go to Connecticut now, we, we used to go to Springfield. Now some of the people from Springfield probably come from the Boston area. So yeah, and I, I toured the wind about a year ago. I was telling you I went over there with some people from the city, and we actually went in the building, and they, they only had three hotel rooms uh, completed, but we got to go from the beginning, you know, the top to the bottom, check out, check out the grounds. It's <laughs> they did do an amazing job, and they, they do everything first rate, and... Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I, I think in the beginning it will be almost next to impossible to get over there. 
although they, they have over 3,000 slot machines and over 250 gaming tables, which is a lot of tables. Let it ride might be there. Well, I think, uh, you know, I, I know let it ride your game, but when, when I just got back from Vegas, most of the casinos, they have one of those tables. That's yeah. it. Yeah, blackjack sells the king, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, interesting about when, uh, because people always ask, geez, when, when is, what are they going to have for entertainment? They don't have an auditorium over there. So I, I don't think they're going, going to have shows and that sort of thing. Are they looking for a lot of transit people, you think? No, they want the, ga they want the people spending money at the gamblers. Oh, they have 15 okay. restaurants. They're probably figuring they're close enough to Boston. If there's a concert at TD North, uh, you know, they can take the boat over because they, they're a couple times a day they're going to have boat service. So, they, you know, to put a, to slot aside a, a big uh, piece of that, that building to put it to a theater, they... Just they have no interest in it. Yeah, no, apparently. no. They have function rooms. Yeah. They have function rooms, but no, no theater. Yeah, uh, the um, they also have a um, they bought a property at, at the Wellington Circle, which, from what I understand, is going to end up as a people leave their car there and can take a shuttle bus there. Now I don't know whether that's going to be employees or whether it's going to be customers, but well, the employees don't get to park there. That was one thing they pointed out to us. So. Because of the lack of, there's just no room to, they, they, I mean, at the time I thought they were going to have 4,000 employees, but I keep on reading in the paper that's about 5,500 different shifts. Of course, they're 24 hours a day, yeah. But if you have 15 or 1,800 people working there on a shift, if you have, you know, most of the people would come cars in one. Right. That's a lot of cars to be over there. So they, they have shuttle butts. They, they, get, they have all sorts of sh shuttle service for their employees because the yeah. employees cannot park their cars there. Yeah. I talked to someone the other day who was uh, doing other type of work currently but has been hired as a dealer there. And uh, actually, I talked to a second person who um, had applied to be a dealer, uh, but they were going to do uh, blackjack. And then they had, number one, you had to pay a fee and you had to take a class. And I think if you pass the class, then you end up getting the fee back. In the, in the second person situation, they, they had a current job and there was a mix-up in the schedule and then they, uh, from a Saturday to a weekday, so they weren't able to uh, accommodate their own schedule. So they, they, they phased out. But the first person didn't want to do blackjack. She wanted to do poker. And I happened to see her uh, last uh, two days ago which, where she worked, and she said that, uh, you know, everything is fine. She knows she's, she's been hired. She's scheduled to go. She doesn't know her shift, doesn't know what time that she's going to be working, and, and but she's, she expects to be dealing uh, poker, so. But do you find it interesting? You, it takes that, you know, three years to, say, put that building together. You get you get so close, and then you say, geez, we need another week. Yeah. It's just yeah. odd, you know, you have this so many weeks. Oh, did they ask for another week? Well, they, they said it could, June 23rd. They said it could be June 30th oh. because they they, they want to have let, let the less kinks as possible. But anytime you, you can open up, a you know, a 30-seat restaurant, and you open up, it's hard. You know, you have to get into the flow and work out the kinks. So you can imagine over there. So I, to me, just open up June 23rd and you work out the kinks as you go. Well, they cut the ribbon. They have celebrities come in. They, you know, they have a lot of those um, uh, uh, things that you do, particularly for television, to get the free promotion. So the, uh, an affirm date ahead of time would make some sense that it wouldn't be done two days ahead of time or a week ahead of time. You know, like it, it was the 22nd of June, that would be it. And maybe if it wasn't quite done, you'd still do it. Yeah, what they did tell us when we took... Because you have to maybe there's a, they can't get water or something. That's right, right. When, when we took that tour, the one thing they did say when we said, what effect would you have on, say, a Foxwoods? They said what they what the effect they'll have on Foxwoods, they're, they're going to get their high rollers. Yeah. So what, that's what they're gunning for. So anyway, so, so you, you open up over there... You know, you have you have people that like to play. You know, the smaller amounts on a blackjack. You know, the ten dollar players, the fifteen dollar players. I'm not so sure they're going to have many of those tables over there. You know, definitely probably not on weekends. Yeah, that's interesting. But, yeah. but yeah. most of the tables, I think, when you get over there, you're going to see twenty five, fifty. You yeah. know, those and, and above. But but the minimum tables where the casual player that just enjoys playing and they don't want they don't want to lose their shirt. Yeah. Uh, you know, they they may not have a table over there for them. Yeah, and, and the. Um, the other part too sometimes is that the um, the activity level. Uh, you know, when you say that, I, I can recall it was that long ago. If you went to play some of those games in the morning, it's five dollars, and then they bump it to ten, and then maybe a bit higher, and later in the early evenings when there's more players around. So, um, as you said, if if the, if with all the money they have spent 
I assume a lot of it's been borrowed to build that place. It's highly leveraged, I would g gather, in which case they've got to get a lot of cash flow to come in here to take care of everybody. And uh, they've certainly been generous to the uh, abutting communities, and I think Malna, for one, has reaped the benefit of uh, Ron Hoger's negotiations. For and Ron was a program guest uh, a while back, and Malna did extremely well in terms of the deal that he put together for the city. Ron said to me when they gave him that one, because they've gotten one $1 million payment. Right. Uh, probably two years ago, and the deal right. was once we open, we'll start continuing the million-dollar payment for right. 20 years. Right. I believe the person from Win, what they said to Ron was, we're giving you this, why? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, at the time, they were di dying for community host agreements, and, yeah. you know, Somerville didn't want them, and Medford didn't want them, and Malden, you know, to Ron's credit, Ron said, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll dance with you. Yeah, the other people took it. Got legal expenses and they lost. It went to arbitration and they didn't get as much as more than. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, but the, the the other thing is the uh, the tooth fairy I think has kind of ended because uh, no doubt there were a lot of a lot of businesses not just in Everett but in surrounding community including Malden that were able to um, through sources within the city or maybe directly with Win because there's a Malden person over there too. That's got an executive position. Um, there was a lot of requests made for uh, good-natured or uh, generous donations of various types to Malden. In fact, um, what I heard recently was, and maybe this is an, an indication of the generosity, uh, Pope John is under serious uh, problems as, as to maintain the, this enrollment level and even to stay as a viable school. Um, my understanding is they probably will not. This is their last class here, and uh, they needed a substantial infusion of, of donations. And they uh, they approached Win Aroncor for a half a million dollar donation to the school, which at that point was a bit much and uh, not practical, uh, not even reasonable. But anyway, th I think that was the mentality of a lot of businesses that were or youth groups and charitable groups and nonprofits. Gee, maybe we can get a letter sent over to them and they can send us a check. You know, just before we get off that, too, you'd have to really touch on may maybe with, with the MGM thing, maybe that recent fine that they got from, you know, you know, for all they're supposedly going to do with the state, they, you know, they turn around, they got to keep their license because of uh, what, when, when, you know, looking the other way when Steve Wynn, when he got the charges against him and, you know, the, the state turns around, they, you know, uh, fine him $35 million, which I think, I think I read that the highest fine ever for any casino has been $20 million. Well, the latter was a million for that. They, they fined him a million. Yeah, and so, and then, you know, they not only that, but the, the CEO, which wasn't even, he wasn't around when the charges took place, he got fined personally 500000 right. from the state. So they may be looking at Massachusetts and just saying, wow, what kind of state? kind of state to do business yeah. is this. Yeah, you know, that's kind of interesting. You said that about the 500000 See, now I just get, get corrected because I saw the total fine was 35500000 which was a 35 to the encore and the executive 500000 Then I had read somewhere where the state incurred or the gaming commission incurred a half a million dollars in legal expenses in, in doing the hearings and the legal process. And I thought that half a million was to the expenses was incurred by them. It wasn't. It was for the fining of yeah. the, the executive. So, and plus, I, I think he also has to take some type of uh, course, course, which yeah. you know, yeah. to add insult to injury. Yeah. I mean, the guy ends up being CEO of a corporation like that, and the state saying, "Oh, by the way, we're going to fine you, and yeah. you need to take executive yeah. lessons again. Go back to executive one hundred and one yeah, sensitivity <laughs> lessons." But you know, uh, bringing that up. Uh, for a person that close to the uh, wind himself, not to be aware of some of the things that were going on, it, it, it's kind of is a reach um, uh, when you think about it. It's, you know, it, it's one thing if you're a lower-level person, but th things like that get talked about among the employees, and if it gets talked about among the, the people that are attending bar and the people that cut your hair and, the, and, and trim your fingernails, it's very likely that people in the higher echelon are aware that certain people misbehave or have a different style, a sense of standard if I was a relationship with employees. So maybe for half a million, he got off easy. But you would have thought they would. They, they did such a background check on that whole thing with them before they allowed the license. You would think that maybe something like this would have came up back then, not 
so late into the into the process. Well, they probably should have talked to his wife. <laughs> but anyway, now kind of a quick thing. Um, you know, you're a sports fan, and, and um, up until uh, recent weeks, uh, there was a possibility that a unique situation would occur in, in sports, and Boston potentially would have a grand slam. You'd have a you'd have a, a trophy or a Stanley Cup or whatever for every one of the major sports. Now you had the Sox win the win last year, and then you had um, the second one last year. Patriots. The Patriots. So there's two, and that left the Bruins and the Celtics as potential. And when we get it, got towards the uh, uh, the end of the year, the Celtics were up and down and whatever. The sense was that maybe they finally put it together, and then yet once they get past that first round, which they looked impressive, they got wiped off uh, in five games by a team that obviously – was better, but there seemed to be as much talent as there was in that club as far as they went last year without Haywood. Or the, Irving. Irving didn't, uh, Kyrie Irving didn't play in the playoffs last year either. He didn't. Uh, and and the, the young guys carried the load and they did well. Mm. And all of a sudden this year, they didn't never seem to put it together. Uh, it's a personality problem. Yeah. There's some, something going on with the team that we don't see, but there's problems in the locker room. Yeah. Well, I'm t you know, it may be that Haywood is the guy, he's got a. Uh, potentially free agents, apparently he's not happy here, but at the same time, he had an issue with LeBron, LeBron James in Cleveland. And oh, Irving. Irving, yeah, excuse it, me. Yeah. And and uh, he had some issues with with teammates here, so maybe the problem uh, is that get rid of him and rebuild without well, without him would be better off. He may not want to stay and might make a deal elsewhere anyway. Yeah, it doesn't sound like he, he at one time it's more or less verbally committed to the Celtics, but he looked like he shied away from that. Yeah. And there's teams that will pursue him, but I, I, I from what I'm seeing, there's some now that might stay away from him because they don't they because of his personality and being outspoken and maybe not the best club clubhouse guy, locker room guy, that they they they'd be hard, hard pressed to commit to him. That those max contracts, which once you sign them, you you own them no matter what happens, yeah. which is you know, a lot of pride. It's not football where you you can just get cut. You know some of those contracts they sign are just terrible. And um, the Knicks were good at that. Yeah, I mean, well, they're the ones. They're one of the te teams that they're supposedly pursuing, going to pursue Irving. Yeah. The, the, the Sox, these, uh, the, I, I don't get a sense that. Um, they're the same team as last year, although I thought they would be better this year. Well, you know, I, I last year I was on your show when it was when the playoffs time, and I said at the time, ah, I don't know, the Sox had a great year, but I keep on looking at Houston and the Yankees, and they're going to be tough, especially Houston, I thought. And they, they ended up beating them. They may not be so fortunate. This yeah. Houston looks like they're even better than they were last yeah. year. And the Yankees are playing great, and they've had a ton of injuries. Yeah, Still, guys out there. They're, they're winning consistently. Yeah, yeah, I mean the Red Sox are good though. They, I mean they'll be there in the end. They'll be there in the playoffs. But like I said, I, I think of all the teams I'm looking at now, I think Houston's the best team in baseball. Yeah, yeah. They might have been last year and didn't win. You're right. Yeah. right, right. Well, one one thought that I had, and it's, and I mentioned to someone the other day who disagreed with me, that is conceivable with Tampa Bay being as strong as they have with the pitching, they put conceivably with the Yankees, could make the playoffs and the Sox won't make the playoffs. So never mind that they don't win this World Series, but they'll make the playoffs. You never know. Yeah. You never know. I mean, actually, Tampa Bay's amazing year after year. They do with what they get. Yeah. You know, anytime they get those young guys, as they get a few years in, they just can't pay them. So, yeah. so they leave, them, but they seem to always replenish them. And yeah. they always seem to be winning 90-some-odd games and being in the thick of things. They just can't compete financially with the Red Sox and Yankees. Yeah. How about the Bruins? Well, I, I have to be honest with you. There's one sport I don't really watch until now would be hockey. Um, but I have to give the Bruin fans credit because I, I think they're probably one of the best fans that we have in Boston. And I, I've been watching the, uh, the playoff games, and I can, I'd love to go to a game because you see the excitement in the stands and the fans are great and the, the team's into it. So it is pretty exciting. It's just yeah. during the year I just don't follow hockey yeah. much. Yeah. I mentioned in my last show, um, my neighbor had gone to the, s the seventh game and uh, on the previous series, and um, not the one they just finished, but the one prior to that. And uh, he's, he, he gets to see several games a year because of the sources of his tickets. And he said he's never, this is the s seventh game before they swept this team, the next team. 
He said he's never been in the gardens where the volume of noise was as high as it was mm. that second I believe game. it. Yeah, he said it was, it. It, was, it, was just, it was almost like overwhelming it was so loud. And that was, of course, the, the level of emotional involvement with the people that are there is, is uh, Yeah, they have great fans. I mean, you, you may go to, say, a Red Sox game and you get those high-priced seats. And they're not, you know, they kind of shuffle and corporations have it. People come in. They're not, I'm not saying they're not true fans because they wouldn't go to the game if they weren't. But it's not the same type of fan if you get a, into, into a Bruins game. Those people that go to those games are all hockey Bruin fanatics. So yeah. when your neighbor says it's as loud as it was, I believe it. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, it's a great atmosphere. One thing, though, I, I, there was a, a plug on TV the other day. And it was, because the first game was when, next Monday? Monday, yeah. yeah. They were listing the prices for the for the t tickets that were available, and I was shocked. I mean, I know uh, the, uh, the cost of sports events and uh, entertaining of uh, various of any kind literally has gone out of uh, sight. But it was, I think, the the tickets they said that were available were like five hundred dollars each. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I think since then, I think they're having a scrimmage this week sometime, and they got to pay uh, Thursday, it Thursday night, twenty dollars a ticket. I think yeah. they're charging. Is that yeah. for charity? Is that for the? Yeah, they're giving the money to charity, but they 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 had such a layoff that they said they didn't want. They had uh, you know all sorts of uh, in the past teams that have layoffs tend not to do well. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, so they they wanted to make sure that the, the the guys stayed as sharp as they could. I thought that was a great gesture because you know for twenty dollars a ticket, it's affordable. And who's their opposition? themselves <laughs> but you know it gives the fan a chance I, th I thought it was a, a nice gesture on the Bruins part well everybody gets some plan time but that's for yeah sure. yeah and it's affordable for people well um, the only thing is um, I don't think it'll be the level of intensity will be the same as a game and because probably no check probably no checking yeah, one no. of those no <laughs> check leagues <laughs> <laughs> find out somebody got hurt they won't be able to play for the first four games it'll be some kind of don't, a hit, don't hurt that goalie <laughs> uh, and uh, finally how about the Patriots are they going to be as good as they have been always there They're always good doesn't uh, matter who they lose yeah and uh, Tom is still as good as he's going to be well he might slip a little but he's still he's you know they, they, they just they're a different type of organization yeah. you see now they, they never go after any of those high price free agents and Every every other day or every you know twice or three times where you see that they're picking up players, they pick up the players they wanted. They got that Jamie Collins back. He played well for them. Goes to another place. He doesn't play as well. So they'll, they'll get him back into yeah. And in the group. mention him. You know, mention the the Knicks and some of the high priced players that go to other teams and and, and then they don't live up to it and you and you're stuck with them. He went to Cleveland, got a lot of money, mm -hmm. and but it's not all guaranteed. And he, he, and I think he signed for very little money with the Patriots compared to what he had been making, and he didn't live on the best, didn't leave on the best of terms because um, there was a criticism, so, and that happens sometimes on players, regardless of what sport. When they're local and they're gone, all of a sudden the reporters start saying, "Well, he wasn't really the guy you think he was in the clubhouse," and well, he had some personal issues. Or in Jamie's case, supposedly he he was a roamer in the back. Freelancer. Yeah, freelancer. I think they, I think they <laughs> use the term freelancer. Yeah, yeah. But now freelancer not he's back. So get him back in the fold. But not only players when they leave the Patriots. How about the coaches? They have so many coaches that leave the assistants. They get the head coaching job because of the winning tradition in the Patriots, and then they don't they don't they don't really do well, you no. know, with another organization. Well, in fact, I I, I think that the guy in Detroit is on thin ice already. He is on thin ice. Pat, Pat, Patriarch, Pat, Patriot, Patriarch. Yeah, yeah, with the Patricia. with the beard and the, and the scorecard in front of his yeah. face when he was talking. Uh, uh. Um, now, you were involved before, uh, maybe uh, some of the local stuff with the teen center. No, that was a long time ago. Yeah, because oh, yeah, the the um, I had seen um, a, a request for a proposal. Apparently, they have to move, and then since then, I understand that I saw another. Uh, public hearing notice on that property where they're cited. That's apparently been sold along with the Ferry Street property that was the former office of... Uh, Two different sales. Yeah, oh, by, the, by the same person. Yes. He bought, he bought the uh, M-Tech building first, and right. then, then uh, you know, I, 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 he bought it, the person bought it, and again, I don't, I don't have any inside information on yes. it, but I, I don't think he had a... Uh, I mean, it was talk that he wanted to put a hotel there, which wouldn't, to me, wouldn't be really a good spot for a hotel. But so, but then he, for some reason that never really got anywhere. So I don't know what his plans are. But then he turned around and bought 15 Ferry Street, which is uh, 
Representative Fallon's old building. So now you have the two. Former representative. Huh? Former representative. <laughs> but you always keep the name, right? Honorable? No, Senate? judges do. Judges do. Mayors okay. sometimes do. Mayors some. Okay. But so anyway. so <laughs> well, even had, reps might. I think they do. <laughs> so, so now you have the two together. What he's planning to do, I don't know. But that is that building on the historical? Uh, is Good that a historical? Question. I don't know. I, I think it could be. Yeah. Have to get Barbara Tolstrup on that. Yeah. Well, she's a, she's she's here. That's interesting because, uh, as you indicated a, a moment ago, the same person bought both pieces of property. Uh, there's been the, the 15 Ferris here has been sold some time back, and it's dormant. Nothing's happened there, mm -hmm. and. Uh, so either it was going to be rented or it's going to be renovated or it most recently it was going to be combined with the other building and, and put in something there that was one unit. So the teen center probably, they're going to be moving. Yeah, well, them, the, the city will definitely relocate the MTEC, yeah. but, yeah. you know, to me, the MTEC, the, one, of the, one of the great draws to that uh, in, in getting the kids there was the convenience of it. Right. You, could, you couldn't get a better, better spot for it next right. to the high school, even though it's open to all high school but the reality is most of the kids are going to come from the high school yeah. they get out of school there's no you know you don't have to walk way up here somewhere it's right there so it was just a, a first floor uh, and it suited the building because you you know th at that time that space what could you put there with the parking situation down there so you don't need a parking for the for mtech so it worked out great and it, i'm just sorry to see that you know, the, the, there's a possibility they're, they're going to end up ripping it down and doing something with the building and then MTech, you know, possibly have to go to another location. And the, if they want to, obviously, if they want to keep it in the area, there's a limited number of options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah in the square, there's, uh, you know, there's talk about putting them back in the high school, putting it in the high school. There's talk of putting them at 110 Pleasant Street. So there's a lot of talk. The, the only thing when I hear the high school, the, the whole... Uh, the the thing about you know the the M Tech is it, to get the kid after school you put them in another place. I don't think a, a a teen enrichment center would work in the high school because you're talking about kids that start out the day, eight o'clock in the high school they get through a quarter past two. Whether they're going to go to another space in the high school, I just don't think it has the same feel. And in in and the thing with M Tech, although it gets a lot of help from the city, it is it, it it's unique setup where they do have their own money and they do pay for many of the things. Aside from the payroll, where, where is this source of funding? Well, over the years, just the generous donations. Oh, I see. Okay. You know, I, I know when we first started that. I, I remember the goal was a hundred thousand, and Dana Brown was the principal. He said, "Geez, I don't think that can be done." I think we raised we, we raised over two hundred, just setting that up. And since that time, they've had donors. Uh, you know, the Beard Foundation and others have been very generous to them year in year out because they like what they're doing, and they're successful at it. Do you have any idea now what the budget might be for them? I don't. I, I Like I say, it's been a few years since yeah, I've been involved yeah, with it. Yeah. But you're also a trustee of the library? I am. Yeah. And what's going on with the library? Well, good stuff. Another thing, the, the city's lucky they have the trustees to pay all those bills that, that li the building, um, you know, it takes to run that building. I mean, we just uh, might have seen the cranes out there last week. We just put, had to put by chillers. It was $160,000. You did what? By chillers for the oh. air conditioners, the oh. HVAC system. Oh. Yep. I mean, things go. You know yourself, that's an old building. So yeah. we're constantly uh, doing a lot of things to that building. And it's not the city's building anyways. That's sometimes people don't understand that. The library has the city services. The, the, library, the, uh, the city pays for the staff. But the building itself is not the city's. It really belongs to the trustees. It was donated by Elijah Converse. Right. And um, so it, the trustees are there, to a lot of it, to maintain the building. In the upkeep. Yeah. Um, someone had mentioned to me recently, they said, why doesn't the library have that gate and on Salem Street open so you could go in the door that represents the front part of the building? I know they have reasons why they don't. Because it's not used by the public, the yeah. front of that building. Yeah. You know, that, that part of, the part of the, that, that front of that, when I was a kid going into the library, I mean, I think I, you were mayor when they built the, the, the addition, right? Was. Okay, so that, that front part of the library there's there's nothing in there for the public to go into. It's not being it, it's not used. It's beautiful in there. Right. And they may hold a function there or something like that, or the historical society uses it, that sort of thing. But there's nothing there for the public. Yeah. So it's 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 not used. Yeah. Um, but but the the library itself, uh, like any other community uh, uh, library, 
is changed with the digital systems in place and the, the mm -hmm. oftentimes the books aren't, aren't uh, taken out because the people don't need them. They can do it other ways with the, for the to read the books that they used to print. They don't have to do that anymore. So that's why you keep up with all the uh, computers and things of that nature. Yeah. So it's not just. I mean, people still take out books. Yeah. But y y like you say, they, if, if, if there's other services they provide now, it's just ch it's like everything in life has just changed. Yeah. Yeah. Left me behind. But you know, we're fortunate that the, we have such a great building and. And, and, and Dora St. Martin, who's the uh, director of the library, I mean, if you get to know Dora, she does a phenomenal job there. Very, you know, she t the, the, the amount of programs that they do uh, for the community, just amazing. And a she lot of kids stuff. They do kids stuff, adult stuff. Along, all yeah. summer long. They have, you know, I know Eastern Bank gives them money for concerts and you know, they, they, we, they get donations, uh, you know, to do, you know, John, someone like um, John Prayato, very generous to the yeah. Uh, the library, um, so they they they're able to do all these these things and activities and uh, things for the mostly kids. But you know, it's just a great great thing to have. A lot of libraries don't don't do the activities yeah. we do. Yeah, you mentioned John. Um, th there was a um, a recognition fundraiser at uh, on the Riverway mm -hmm. uh, a couple of weeks ago at the YWCA, and uh, I, I went to it and. Uh, it was kind of interesting because um, it was a fundraiser, but it was also uh, an opportunity to acknowledge some people, one of who, by the way, is a trustee of the library, uh, Frank Bolas. Great guy, Frank he, Bolas. Yeah, he was yep. one of the ones that was recognized. And, uh, and part of his thing was that he had, as young as he is, he had 43 years of service with the, the Y, and then apparently he's retired, and that's part of the process. But anyway, um, they had a good-sized crowd there, and the caterer was excellent. The food was very good. They had a bar, you know, as, as they often do. And, and John had made the space available because it was one of his buildings. And, and uh, he apparently is one of those quiet people does a tremendous amount of community uh, contribution, support, financial support in other, in other ways, and yet uh, the average person would have almost no idea who he is. And he likes it that way, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, he's, he's, one of those, he's, he's great to the city, yeah. but, you know, when he donates something, he doesn't need to get the picture with the big check and all that stuff. He'd rather do it. He, he knows he's doing the right thing, so he doesn't need the public exposure for yeah, it. So he, yeah. he's just a great, great guy. Yeah, and, and again, like I said, that area down there is not well known to a lot of people in Malden, but it's, it's, a, it's a growing area and impressive in, in the very fact that the they held their their event there was a, uh, on the basis of the kinds of things that they were able to get either free or donated or whatever, and it made a big difference as far as the ultimate mm -hmm. amount of money they would be able to the gain from uh, after the event was all over. The one thing was a l further interesting was that um, uh, it was a function room section where you could have events, but there was no chairs, hmm. and. Um, I, I, as a, and I commented on that to someone afterwards, and I found out, well, he said, you know, there's a reason for that. Was the purpose of not having the chairs was to allow people to mingle, whereas if you had the tables, and uh, uh, you would end up having people sit at the table, and they wouldn't branch out and, and go and move in among other people maybe they didn't know or they only know casually. Mm -hmm. the, the one th and I thought, well, gee, that's an interesting approach, and maybe that makes some sense. Uh, um, and coupled with that, I uh, they had that uh, Taste of Malden just about the same time, and I and that was a very well run event. And uh, uh, the uh, the thing that they had a, about ten food tables, and um, you w they gave you a sheet uh, with with the list of the ten, and as you went down and sampled all the food, um, you would check off that you did, and then they had a drawing, uh, and the winner was going to get a. a uh, um, a gift certificate a week for 52 weeks. I don't know who mm. won it, but what happened with me, they had uh, a cu couple of the first couple of tables, um, one of which is a restaurant uh, uh, here in Marlin Square, a Chinese restaurant. They gave more than just a little bit of food. They gave you quite a bit of food. So by the time I got to um, the, about the fourth table, I, w I ran out of... Uh, 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 a motivating reason to go get any more, and that was before you got to the pastry and the coffee, and they had the uh, other things. So, but it was a very well run run, run event. It had been run for a number of years and was very successful this mm. year. So, and I, uh, I, ch I had a little bit of food with your friend Joe, uh, not Joe, his brother uh, jo uh, 
Peter Levine. Oh, Peter Levine, Malden Musings. Yeah, he, he, he Class was of 75. <laughs> well, anyway, I had a bit of a talk with him, and uh, I went, when, when I came back, he was gone. So I didn't know whether uh, <laughs> he, he was gone out of there because he, he was like me, went to four tables, and that was as much as he could fit into his stomach. Politics in Malden, not the same level as when you were in office? Uh, let's see. It's an election year this yeah. year. Uh, apparently, there's a lot of people that have taken out uh, potential candidates in school committee. I, I wasn't don't, aware of that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, there's, there's again, I love naming names. There's Ward two, there seems to be a challenger. Uh, Ward four, Ward six, Ward seven. It's, it's an open seat. Uh, the current uh, school committee person, Kathy Bordenaro, is not going to run. That has two people, you know, at least. And then Ward 8 is a challenge, so five out of the eight wards would have um, competition. Yeah, and the papers just became available about a, a, ten, a week ago. And there is still until j sometime in July that you, you, you can take papers there's still, out? Yeah, there's still some time. You know, you, what you should do is take the papers out before July 4th just because, you know, July 4th, especially if you're running citywide, yeah. you can go around the, from the different parks and get a, get a ton of signatures. Yeah. Um, you need 50 for the wards and 200 for at large, 200 for mayor. Okay. And um, so, so I don't hear much on the council side. I don't hear of any uh, races yet. I mean, well, there's an open early. seat in Ward 3. There is. There's an open seat in Ward 3. There's one person that's declared. I haven't heard any other names up there. Yeah. But that's always a very active ward, so I'd be surprised if it were an open seat to just be one candidate. Yeah, so Not in Ward 3. I mean, they had that uh, school committee race last time. They had three, and I thought it was a great race. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, the current ward council who's talking about running for mayor, he always had somebody run against him every election. So there's always there's always elections yeah. in Ward yeah. Three, and it's um, you know it's it's if, if not the top uh, voting uh, ward in the city, it's yeah. you know it's the top two. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so we'll see what happens with that. They had um, one article um, just for the edification of the, <laughs> the public that's watching the show. Um, you're uh, the other owner and in, in employment of the Malden uh, Lucy Insurance Agency here on. The on uh, Eastern Avenue, and uh, I came across an article. Um, it's now the insurance business, particularly the personal line business, has become very competitive with the the way that they've changed the system from when I was involved in it. And uh, there was one article I read recently about buying car insurance online can be a bumpy ride. Can you think of any reasons why it's not such a good idea to do business that well, way? Well, sometimes people, they go for the lower price, and then they find out it's, you know, it's low for a reason. It, listen, I, you know, the 1-800-GUYS, um, out, out of all of them, Geico has made a little dent. You know, we see it a lot, but Progressive, who advertises very aggressively in the state and have been for years, we never see... Mm. Uh, you know, we never lose business to progressive. Uh, you know, the 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 younger people uh, tend to maybe go on on online uh, for the insurance more than people that are, you know, used to dealing on a personal level with somebody. Because when you do have a problem, you know, it's nice to be able to see somebody, talk to somebody that you know, you know, get some personal attention rather than picking up a phone and calling one eight hundred. So, but that that's changed in 2008. They went to competitive rating. It, it, back prior to 2008, the state set the auto rates. So every everywhere you went, they had the same rate. Didn't matter. And now, when they when they went to competitive rating, it changed a little bit, and they got more companies that r wrote in the state, because they, a lot of companies like Geico's and the Progressives, they weren't going to try to write in Massachusetts if the state set the rates. They they wanted a competitive market, which they changed. And we, we, we've been fine since 2008, uh, you know, with the competitive rate. We're fine with that. We have good companies, so we're competitive, and uh, we try to do a little extra for everybody. And, you know, it's a personal touch with us. And, and, and what we've got a lot of times that the parents are older and they have the kids, and we still keep the kids. You That's know, a good of sign. Family. So it's a good sign. And, yeah. and, I, and I realized that about uh, probably seven or eight years ago, we used to send out calendars. And you wouldn't send them out to everybody, but you'd take the top 700 people or whatever. There'd be you know, there'd be uh, something uh, flagged in the system, and you'd send them a calendar. And when we went to send the calendars, we had more calendars that went out of the city than city because you have to break up the calendars to 02148 and out of the city. And it was, 
it was very telling to me. It was saying that, you know, okay, people have moved up, but they've stayed with you, which is a good sign. Well, that's a good sign if they move away and they're still connected. Yeah. yeah. Um, nothing like free advertising. Yeah. <laughs> Just a quick war story. I was talking to someone the other day, and they had a family member, and it was, it was very telling because um, there were two sons, one of whom had um, um, a car insured, a new car, and so it was a Honda, which is apparently a high theft car, so it's expensive to, to insure. Uh, uh, the oldest son had less than six years driving, so that that's, that's expensive in itself, regardless of where you live. And in his case, he lived in a city that's got a high, high accident frequency. So uh, it ended up that um, the insurance was a bit above, um, somewhere up in the low $3,000 range, which is kind of a high premium. But the company, he showed me this paperwork, showed that um, his... Um, he got a discount, but he didn't have all the paperwork there, so it should have been about five thousand, and it was a little over three thousand. So, uh, uh, in any event, now um, I happen to be talking to his brother, who is now getting a car for the first time for a while, and he has um, more driving experience, but still less than six years. And the point I'm trying to make is that uh, he he equated the cost of the insurance with um, the monthly payment, and I try to say to him, I said, "Well, look, you have a, you have to have a down payment and this and that." I'm explaining them, so it isn't as, it isn't so much with your monthly payment. How much is your, your your premium? Well, he ended up calling the company, and where he got the company, where he, it, the the person that he dealt with at the dealership referred him to an insurance agency, apparently, or an 800 number, as it turned out. You mentioned Geico in your in your in your comments earlier. This was with Geico, and in his case, the premium for was four hundred and something a month. Now I don't know about the down payment because that was kind of he couldn't kind of focus on that when I was trying to talk to him. But anyway, the point is that he is more driving experience than his brother, and um, it ended up his brother had about three years, he had five years. It ended up that once he started talking to the person at the other end, this eight hundred number. Um, the it turns out the pr the policy was only for six months. That's what they do. They six month policies. Yeah. Well, at one time it wasn't even allowed in Massachusetts until yeah, no, they Progressive can. came in. Yeah, and the whole thing with dri the driving is you know you, a, a dri the, how it's rated at zero to three years. It's good. It, it, it's just expensive because you don't know how to drive yet. Right. And three to six it gets a little bit better, but it's not that great. And then over six you get rated and you start and get credits. You know if you're a good driver, but. Yeah. You, you get anyone that's zero to three, a young driver, there's no company that's looking to write them. So they're going to be high no matter what you're doing. Three to six really is not much better yeah. because you still can't get any credits till after the fifth year, and you have to have five clean years to get the credit. Yeah. So the company, insurance companies are like everyone else. They want to they write the good drivers, the experienced drivers. The, it's great to write the, the drivers that are living, living you know, not, not congested areas. So, you know, like the story you're telling, a young driver, believe me, the, no insurance company, whether you're Geico or anybody, they're not beating the, the door down to, uh, to, to, to write a young driver yeah, because yeah. it's usually, it's a, couldn't be, most of the times it's a losing proposition. But again, I, to, when, as he was talking, it just made me realize that he was kind of unsophisticated, obviously, and it wasn't getting mm -hmm. much direction. And the, the thing was that uh, he, he equated everything with the monthly payment, and then when you start probing a bit, you find out, well, wait a minute. Uh, oh, yeah, one other factor I think was, I think they told them at the end of six months that was not going to be the same premium for the next yeah, six Yeah, it changes. Months. Yeah, that's why a lot of times we, if we lose somebody, oftentimes we get them back. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, you, this guy, he, <laughs> he's not doing that well. But anyway, the other thing is I got, I got some articles here. Um, um, I was I'm, I'm cleaning out some of the files that I have accumulated, even though they're, they're uh, what they say about people's trash and treasures, they're, they're mostly trash. I don't think they talk about paperwork, though. <laughs> well, that's I don't think that's th anyone's treasure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I got one here, and, I'm, and I was looking at a March 2018 um, a city of Mall, an important message to property owners of the removal of lead water services. Okay, it's a very serious issue. We uh, we've talked on the show before. Is a it, it's a costly. The city has tried to accommodate people, and and is a it's almost everybody's problem in the, in some in your neighborhood. 
and uh, they've made available low-cost rent, uh, I mean loans, and they've done some other things to try and allow people to uh, get this problem of connecting the the pipes to their property from the street to be get rid of the lead paint. Oh, I think they, me, they, lead. Yeah, they get they solve that problem when the people sell the house. Yeah, because before they can sell the house, they need to. Well, and that's a, that's another thing that people should, should bite the bullet now because if you if you plan to sell your home at some point and you make an agreement with someone to buy their home, you can't really sell the home and, and pass the requirements unless the papers have been replaced. So anyway, I, I came across an article, and this was in um, October 1992. And in the article, it mentions the Environmental Protection Agency announced this month that lead, lead level exceeding 15 parts per billion, the new standard for accepting limits of lead, that is scheduled to take effect on January 1st. So that would be 1993. If you do the math, it's like 27 years ago. Um, it, it said that uh, Boston, Worcester, Springfield, Malden, Medford, Lowell, Revere, Framingham, Waltham, Quincy, Chelsea, uh, Brookline, Somerville, and Weymouth all had the problem. And you know who didn't have the problem? <laughs> and Lynn and Lawrence. I mm. can't figure that one out. But that was so that that's almost the case. The more things change, the more they remain the same because that's that's something that we're still dealing with twenty five years later. And we're all still walking around still amazing. Yeah. Even with all the lead in the The, the other thing for uh, for those people in Malden when if if you uh, and I really think if you're an owner owner occupied property in Malden, you really have n not the, much to complain about as far as your taxes. You know, I was, uh, we, you know, that the thing with that uh, that owner occupied. Uh, it's amazing that people sometimes get upset for the littlest charge you charge them, right? That that homeowner's uh, abatement to me was probably the biggest thing Malden did for their people that reside in the city and never 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 got a, a you know good job, yeah. you know. Because I remember we were on the council. I wasn't there when it, it was five percent, but we, it was ten. Then we increased it to twenty, then thirty. You know, it's just amazing. It's either people didn't realize it or they just, and it was a huge savings. Yeah. Well, uh, if you want to think about your taxes now, in 1993, I have an article here, and this is in uh, 1993, the Malden tax rate, uh, based on the uh, the, um, the average assessment was 136000 I was say the assessment would have been way down. Yeah, so obviously that's a, uh, and so then the following year, the, the average assessment was 130000 for some reason, it was adjusted down. Maybe there was a, a, a anyway. The taxes on a fr single family home at that time was under eighteen hundred dollars. And I'm I'm venture to say, in spite of the fact that maybe the houses are selling for four hundred to five hundred thousand now, um, they're not that much more when you compare it with the time lapse that's occurred in those that number of well, years. Well, yeah, there'd be a little bit more. But for, for the, what year was that? Nineteen ninety four. Okay, so that you're talking about 25, 20, 25 years ago. 25 years ago. So even if even if your tax rate doubled, okay. big deal, right? I mean, your house is worth a lot more than the... Well, and, and uh, more important than that, when you think about it, you, you're, the 30% exemption for the for the people that live in the house that they own in Marlin, yeah. there's a, that's a substantial discount on your, on your real estate tax. So therefore, even though uh, assessments have gone up substantially... The reality is, when you when you figure for 25 years later, there isn't there isn't the, that increase that you would think that actually has occurred because of the exemption. So yeah. if it's not 1,800, it's it's a reasonable amount beyond that. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, one other thing that was kind of interesting, and I I, I kind of say this was a um, this was <laughs> I, I almost didn't know why it was there. It was August of 1993, which was just prior to an election, and I looked on the on the page, and it had a picture. Of a, of a candidate running, and it said elect Stephen Finn Ward Six Councilor. It's Jim Hennessy. And it had Jimmy Hennessy, who was a Ward One Councilor, um, elected councilor. And it says so. Call Steve at this this number they mentioned, and it wasn't even his picture. You know when you it's, just said about the lead pipes, when still things nothing's changed much. Apparently the papers didn't change much because <laughs> some papers still do that today with yeah. the wrong. Well, I hope you enjoy the show. We appreciate you watching it, and thanks for being part of the evening with us. The following program was produced by Community Producer.